right, how many of y'all tried to avoid puddles this morning? How many of y'all tried to jump in puddles this morning? No one else? All right, well, don't ever get too old to jump in a puddle every once in a while, even if it makes your shoes wet, right? You can change your sock, you can change your shoes, but you can't change the good time because it only rains so often. So enjoy the rain. It's amazing as we get older, the things that we really loved as kids, that it can just become ho-hum, right? We can actually forget about those things sometimes or they become a burden. I want to encourage you this morning to take your Bibles and turn to the book of John. We're going to see something about the Word of God, and, and we talk about today's sermon title is simply this, what a difference a day makes. Has anyone ever said that when you were a kid? Uh, some of the, maybe the older folks would say, hey, just watch out for this. You're praying for this. You're praying for school. You're praying for a job. You're praying for a spouse. You're praying for a mate. You're praying for God to do something only God can do. And if you wait long enough, what's going to happen? What's going to happen if you're praying? God will answer your prayers, right? He will answer your prayers 100% of the time. Now, you need to know that God sometimes says yes, and sometimes God says no. And oftentimes God says wait. And as Paul was told, my grace is sufficient for you is the way God answers sometimes. So we, we always want the affirmative. Whatever I ask for, God, I want that answer. I want it to be answered yes and amen. And it's not always a yes and amen. Sometimes when God says no, that's actually a better answer because that's his answer than it is if we have a yes to what we want. Because sometimes what we want will get us in trouble. Would you agree? You're going to see the disciples, they wanted to actually follow Jesus, that we know that they've been through his life. The ministry's lasted about three years. They've given up all their professional jobs, if you will, to go back and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He's died on the cross. He's been buried in a borrowed tomb, and he says he was going to rise again, and they have now heard and actually seen witness that the tomb is empty, and they're stressed out. It's the first day of the week. It's Sunday morning. And they go to the tomb, find out Mary, we, we talked about Mary, and thanks to Adrian, he preached last week. We found out that the, the other disciples, John and Peter, went to the tomb, and there's an empty tomb. And now Jesus is appearing, and we're going to trace just a little bit back to verse 19 today, chapter 20, verse 19. And we're going to see, we're starting back on Sunday evening, okay, Sunday evening. So be careful if you skip church on Sunday evening, sometimes good things happen on Sunday evening. Did you know that? Discipleship might happen that you might miss on Sunday evening if you skip church on Sunday evening. That football game might be good, but it's going to be, listen, I can tell you the end game of the Super Bowl. Somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose, right? And it don't make a hill of beans. There's men going to be hitting each other. Are there going to be penalties called? They're going to make millions of dollars, and a lot of people's lives will be ruined because, have you noticed how many betting uh, websites are now popping up and how many opportunities there are to bet against the game. You can bet against everything in the game now. And it's, we're getting back to a society uh, where sin is abounding. And, and listen, I'm telling you, it's going to affect many. And even the South Carolina lottery, we talk about the education, what good, what a great scholarship it is. But even that, it took somebody to suffer and lose everything so that some people might have scholarships in South Carolina. Uh, betting and the lottery is for those people who are stupid and those people who are poor. Did you know that? Does that make you offended? That, if you played the lottery, you're either one of those categories because you want to get rich quick. You're either stupid or you're poor. Because what happens is you're aiding and abetting those people who do ill will. We know that Vegas and all the other places where gambling is legalized, you see what happens and what comes with it. We know prostitution comes with it. We know that all the different lifestyles of, 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 of different trades that are sinful come with it. And so if you don't like that statement today, you're probably playing the lottery. So I would tell you, you fit in one of those two categories. And um, maybe I'll just get lucky. What if I win the lottery, Pastor, and give a million dollars to the church? 
hey, we'll take the devil's money, okay? But you still sin to get it, right? I'm just telling you, what happens if you give, that's between you and the Lord, not to us. We don't go all excited. Go play the lottery so we might get that money. Uh, we depend on the Lord Jesus Christ for all things. For all things. In good times, we celebrate. In bad times, we celebrate. Because like Paul, we can say, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. Amen? So we don't depend on the world or the world system to gain in the church. We're not after money. We're after making disciples of Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 20, verse 19. We're going to go through verse 29. And I, there's some other scriptures I gave you that go along with the scripture scriptures. We'll reference some of those. Don't have time to get into those, but I would really wish you would write those down and, and encourage you to, to read those. And let me tell you, give you some other scriptures. If you're taking notes real quick on the top of your bolts and around the side, somewhere where you have opportunity, write these chapters down because this is very imperative that you study this and know this because somebody says, I don't believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Does it even matter that Jesus was physically resurrected? And the answer is yes. There's a whole group of people who teach today that Jesus spiritually raised, was raised from the dead, but he was not bodily raised. And if he was not bodily raised, Paul tells us, listen, our, our faith is in vain. Uh, we're the most pitied people on the planet if we live for Jesus and thinking that he was just raised bodily, but he was not. Uh, we have this fabrication in our mind, but Paul says, I want to tell you, as a matter of fact, he was raised from the dead. He was witnessed that he raised from the dead. He was seen by over 500 people of the brethren he was seen. For 40 plus days he was seen and sometime in the book of Acts. But let me give you these scriptures. Write these down if you take notes. And it's really important that you read these scriptures on your own. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 20. Those scriptures will tell you about the Great Commission. This is after post-resurrection, after Jesus had died on the cross and risen again. Mark chapter 16, verse 1 through 20. Mark 16, 1 through 20. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 53. That's a good study right there. Verse Luke 24, 1 through 53. Of course, we're in John chapter 20, verses 1 through, all the way, to, all the way through 25, uh, 21 through 25. Chapter 21, we'll get into next week as well. Two more, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And finally, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 5 through 7. And of course, there's more if you read all of 1 Corinthians 5. It, God will enlighten your hearts so that you might understand who he is and who he wants you to be. In light of his resurrection, how should we live? This is a very hard task for you and me today going, yeah, I know this. I know this to be true, but... And as Charles Stanley, I've told you, said, your butts will get you in trouble if you're not careful. Because every time you have put a clause on what God says and you have a direction that you turn into, it's going to get you in trouble because you go from doing it God's way, but you turn and add a little bit of your salt and pepper and do it your way. Have you ever seen someone sit down at a meal? That you, maybe you went over to someone's house and you just prepared this meal. It's your specialty. And we do it on Wednesday night. We're getting ready to start the meals on February 1st. We're going to, me and Wendy, our team is team one. And by the way, we need some team members for team two and team three and team four. So we want, we'll train you how to cook. We'll train you how to use the equipment. But we'd love for you to come in and be a part of a team and say, I'd like to be a part of that team. On your Connect card, you can say, put me down for a food team. And we'd love for you to participate. We already have the menu set, so we'll teach you how to do that. But the worst thing it is, you get this good, flavorful meal set for someone. And they sit down at the table with a plate full of food. And they don't even taste it. They just take the salt and shake it over top of it. Any of y'all guilty of that? And then shake the pepper right over top of it. Anybody do that? My dad would do that. Whenever we'd sit down and eat breakfast, he would just put no black pepper on everything. Just cover it. And guess what I do today? It used to drive me crazy. I used to hear my mom say, taste it at first. I cover mine with pepper, and then I usually go get hot sauce and something else. And 
And so, well, it tastes good if you combine the two. I already know what it's going to taste like because you've cooked it before, and it tastes good plus something if you have the extra. Well, the disciples are here. They've been with Jesus for three years. They've walked with him. They've seen miracles. They've seen stuff you and I only wish we could see physically. But now here we are, and he's now appeared to them. He's going to appear to them in this passage. Is it possible to come to church for three years or more and not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is it possible? Yes, it is. And you'll see it's even possible to walk with Jesus for three years and still not trust him personally as your God and as your Father and as your Lord. We know Judas is not here. I'll mention that in, the, in, the, in your notes. Judas is not here, and Thomas is not present in this story until the end of the story. And this is actually a historical narrative. So let's read together, beginning verse 19. This is the same day. This is Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. Verse 19, Then the same day at evening, beginning the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Let's continue. So Jesus said to them, again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas called the twin, or Didymus, as your Bible might say, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciple, verse 25, the other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hands into his side, I will not, what your Bible say? Believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said to them, What does he say? Peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be what? Believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word what it means to us personally today, Lord, those of us that have experienced salvation in Jesus Christ alone. And Father, we pray today that, that if there's someone here that's never received Christ, they would experience this joy that we have of knowing you in a very personal love relationship. We love you. We thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, go to your notes. I want you to see this. This is important today. And this is an argument settler, if you will. So many people come up with different doctrines, so many different denominations. And by the way, I don't know how you feel, but some people say, I hate denominations. I wish there were no denominations. I don't feel that way. I like denominations because denominations tell you what you believe or what you should, right? It used to. As Baptists, Methodists, Catholics, Presbyterians, you go down the list and you can say, well, what do they believe? And, and I think you should investigate because your home church, uh, we have people here, that, that even our school, we have 17 different churches represented by our Christian school. And we called it Town Creek Christian Academy for a purpose that we would actually open up to the faith community, that we wouldn't argue over doctrine when it comes to the actual main things. If we keep the main thing the main thing, Jesus Christ dead, buried, and resurrected, that's the most important. Would you agree? But if you go through and actually follow through what Jesus commands even later, it does baptism matter? 
salvation is essential to get to heaven. So there's, there's no arguing over salvation in Christ alone. When Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. There is no arguing with that. So if we don't agree on that doctrine of God, then we won't ever agree on anything because I'm going with the word of God because this is my authoritative source. Jesus said so, therefore it is so. Amen? All right. So when baptism comes, we get into the, our Presbyterian friends, Methodist friends, Catholic friends, sprinkling or christening babies. I would challenge any of you, any of you that have Catholic friends or have a Catholic background or have a question about it, find infant baptism in the Bible. It does not exist. It's a tradition of the church of the Roman Catholic Church, and then it went and spread into other churches. Christening does not exist in the Bible whatsoever. Every baptism that you find in the Bible is how? It's by immersion, going under. Jesus himself, even when he demonstrated baptism for us, he come up out of the Jordan. He was actually baptized in the Jordan River. He came up out of the water. The word baptizo, or baptism that we say today, it was just transliterated. They just came across the word from the Greek to us that says to be immersed, to sink. If your boat was baptized back in the day when it was wooden, you won't see it again. Right? There's a lot of baptized boats on the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea when this was actually said or was given. So for today, does it matter if you're baptized? Does it matter if you're baptized biblically? Yes, but what if you're saying, well, I, I, we've had this conversation with so many people. Well, Pastor, I want to be a part of Town Creek, but I refuse to be baptized. I'm not going in that baptism pool. And we're like, no problem. You can come every Sunday, but you will not join this church. Membership has its privileges and its requirements. Would you agree? Everybody's quiet. I can tell the Methodists got really quiet. The Presbyterians are just so... Listen, people are watching. We, it, it divides us. Instead of dividing us, all we do is say, hey, wait a minute, hold on. I know what church tradition says, but let's go back to the book. Let's go back to the book. And what does the book say? What does the authoritative source say it, about salvation, about lordship, about everything that we follow? We go back to the book and say, what does the book say? Not what does the pastor say. Not to me. Not what does the priest say. What does the book say? And the book says, you must, listen, go make disciples baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teach them everything I've taught you, and remember I'm always with you to the end of the age. How clear is that? He said, well, what is baptism? If we go back to baptizo, the original word, what does it mean? We can't argue with this because it's what the word means. It means to go under, to be immersed, to disappear. And that's a picture of death. Jesus died on the cross. He was baptized. If he were into death, he went to death. And three days later, God raised him from the dead. That's part of the belief system. You're going to see here in just a moment. Remember, has Jesus died on the cross at this point in this story? Has he been buried? Because we read that Joseph of Arimathea and who was with him? Nicodemus. They went together and they wrapped him. They put some herbs on him. They stuck him in whose tomb? The Bible says it was Joseph's tomb, a rich man's tomb, fulfilling a prophecy that he would die among the wicked and be buried with the wealthy. An old prophecy that had two different prophecies said he would die among the wicked. Did he die among the wicked? Between two thieves he died, right? And was he buried with the wealthy? Yeah, he was buried in the finest tomb there in town. It had never been used before. Just probably been hewn out of the rock. And it was the first person to be buried there. And it was a borrowed tomb because Jesus didn't plan to stay. It was a rental, right? Amen? He put a down payment and that was his life. And then, of course, he was, God raised him from the dead. So at this point of the story, Jesus has died. They've seen it. Jesus was buried. They've seen and heard of it. They've seen the posting of the guards. They've, they've seen the commotion. 
and now the tomb is empty, and they're in this upper room. Now, reason in your notes, I want you to see in your notes. Let's get to them. The disciples feared the unbelieving Jewish leadership. The other place would say Judaizers. Your Bible sometimes will say they feared the Jews. They feared the Jews. Well, it's not a racial thing because they are Jews, right? So they didn't fear themselves. It's not a, a race they're fearing of the Jewish people. They're fearing the leaders of the Jews, the Judaizers. So the Jewish leadership, that's how we would say it today. The authorities had gone to great lengths to destroy the person they believed to be the Messiah, the anointed one, or the chosen one of God. Did they believe that Jesus was the Messiah? Peter even confessed it before everyone said, listen, Jesus said, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the son of the living God. And God was very clear. I mean, um, Jesus was very clear, which is God. Flesh and blood did not, flesh and bone didn't deliver that to you. That came from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's moving in the person's life to confess that Jesus is Lord. Well, in your notes, if they could kill Jesus, the disciples feared they could be next. And I think I should have said they feared they would be next because he was their followers, especially one who would be the next one more than likely. Peter, because what did he do? He slashed the ear off one of the arresting servants, right? So Peter's, he's profiled out there, and they even said, yeah, you were with him, and he denied him three times. We know all of this is still going on, right? Peter's denial is still in play. Y'all ever play board games, and there's a certain outlier part of the game or something, but it's still in play, and you hope everybody else, if you have it, everybody else, the joke, if you have the joker and you keep it, you're hoping everybody else has forgotten about the play, and then you get to play it later on to win. Well, Peter is, his denial is still in play. Peter still has denied Jesus Christ, and he hasn't been fully restored. Peter's come to the place that he, he's, he's probably stressed, and he's given up his fishing business. His dad's probably hired some more guys in the village. There's, there's trouble brewing here, and now they're meeting. They've left their homes, and they're meeting together. On Resurrection Sunday evening, the disciples minus Judas and Thomas. Why minus Judas? Yeah, he hung himself, right. He left, and they left their homes, and they had a meeting. How do we know they left their homes and had a meeting? Because we go back over to what the Scripture says. Go back over to verse 10 of, of chapter 20. What does it say? Then the disciples went away again to their own what? Homes. So they left their own homes, and they've come to this place. Wherever this meeting place is, maybe someone had a bigger house than others. They've come to this meeting place, and now this is what's happening. They secured the doors behind them, possibly planning for that most disturbing knock from the Judaizers. They're coming. The Romans are going to come or the Judaizers are going to come because they think that we stole his body. They know we were his followers because we preached. Every time he preached, we were there doing the things he did. We were there part of the miracles. And so they're fearing that knock on the door. And I guess they figured if, if, we're all, if I'm going down, we're all going down, except for Thomas. Thomas like, hey, y'all go ahead and meet. I just can't make it yet. Right? He's going to see if they get arrested maybe. I don't know what he's doing, but he actually is not there. Well, they had wrong expectations. What were their expectations? Their expectations were they're going to get arrested and die. Their expectations were that something's going to happen to them personally and to their families. Did they have families? These are young men. Yeah, they did. We know Peter had a mother-in-law that Jesus healed, so they, Peter was married. We know there are some things that are going on that only uh, they knew. They, they couldn't battle with their head, their hearts, and all the different things. They had wrong expectations, thinking, we're going to get arrested, and more than likely, we're going to get crucified as well. So, here we go. Watch this. Continue in your notes. To their surprise, Jesus showed up in verse 19, the second part of verse 19. 
In the middle of their deepest fear, Jesus walked right through their secure door and greeted them with the words, Peace be with you. So listen to this. When Jesus is, what is Isaiah 9, 6? Look in your Bible real quick. Take your Bibles and turn. Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah 9, 6. Just when you're there, say amen. This is a prophecy from Isaiah who lived some five to 700 years prior to the Lord Jesus Christ coming to the earth. Now, Jesus always existed, but before he became flesh. What did the prophet Isaiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, say Jesus would become? Well, what was his title? Not become, but who he is. He gave titles. And what was his title? And I didn't put it up on the board for you because I want you to look it up and mark this in your Bible. Because this is the passage of Scripture that was preached one Christmas season where I was saved when I was a 21-year-old man. What did the title say that he was? Name one. Somebody. He shall be called Counselor. Here's what the pastor asked. Do you need a counselor you can speak to 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that will keep everything that you tell him completely confidential? And will give you the exact counsel that will meet your need? Yes or no? Do you want that? Does anybody want that? Because listen, none of us is perfect. We all need counsel. The Bible says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. But about the counselor, listen, he can speak to you and comfort you and get things fixed and get you in a direction that you will make things right because you'll make decisions that he tells you that's his way. He is God and he is the great counselor. Now some translations say wonderful counselor, put it together. Hey, does it get any better than a wonderful counselor? That's somebody you recommend somebody to, wouldn't you? When you, when you say to somebody, hey, let me, let me tell you about this great counselor I know. How about just wonderful? Some translations just put NIV puts wonderful by himself. Wonderful. Is Jesus wonderful? He is. So separate it or put it together. It doesn't make a hill of beans. Both of them are true. We say yes and amen. Would you agree? That's not the best thing today in our life. What's the next thing? What is he? He's a mighty God. Anybody want to serve a mighty God? Mighty means he's better and stronger than anything that's out there. He overcomes anything. What can stand against God? Nuclear weapons, mankind, machine guns, atomic bombs. Go, go, go name your list of things that you think are powerful. And what can we say? Everything that was made from was created by whom? By God, the mighty God that we serve. And if he's a mighty God, listen, he's over all things. He's over the daytime, the nighttime. He's over your situation. He's over everything in these disciples' lives. If they only knew who's standing in their presence, if they only knew it is they, whom they, is, they, they serve. Well, what's another name for him? Everlasting Father. And if you've got father issues, you can struggle with that one, can't you? Because that was one of my issues. I was angry with my dad growing up. We and him butted heads all the times. And when the pastor said everlasting father, I was like, cross that one out. I can go without that. Uh, I was just a hard-headed kid. Uh, I'm sure much like my dad. My brother's here, so he knows what I'm talking about. So I'm like, I don't, don't want that part. Skip, next. And I did. Listen, I found out he's a wonderful heavenly father. He's not like you earthly fathers like me as an earthly father. He's perfect in all of his ways. All of his counsel is good. All of his love is perfect. He's holy as only God the Father can be. What's the next title for him? Prince of Peace. So what does he come to the disciples? He knows they don't need a father. They don't need the Heavenly Father title. They don't need a counselor right now even though they're in fear. What does he bring to them? He brings them himself who is what? The Prince of Peace. He owns all peace. He didn't say, I'm just going to give you peace. When he breathes on them in just a moment, the Holy Spirit, he gives them himself. He gives them 
himself to walk with them daily. So when we walk today, this is good news for you and me. Not only do I have to make decisions on my own anymore, it's actually the Lord Jesus Christ in me through the power of the Holy Spirit that helps me make daily decisions. He'll help me in my times of need. Well, let's continue. These guys had wrong expectations, and here's the Prince of Peace always doing his job. Would you agree? Jesus always does his job. He did it in the first century church, second, and keep going through the centuries of the church. Jesus has always done his job. He's always been the Prince of Peace, and he always brings peace to the troubled heart. You troubled today, church? You got issues in your life that you don't think no one else can help you with, that you don't know anything about. It can be health-related. It can be mental. It can be, go down the list. I'm telling you that the Prince of Peace can help you because he loves you. And he brings about perfect peace because he's given you of himself. Let's continue. Luke, if you, that Luke 24 verse is important. Luke 24, 36 and 37 tells us Jesus startled and he terrified them by his appearing. They were sure he was the Spirit, and they were not sure he was the Holy Spirit. They were sure that he was an evil spirit because, listen, they're locked in a room. Where do you run when the door is bolted shut and there's a group of us together? If something happened right now, uh, loud noise or something says, get out, right? You heard a deep voice that said, get out. What would you do? Yeah, I'm probably going to run over some of your backs because I'm, 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 I'm going to. Look, I believe in the Holy Spirit, but uh, uh, I wanna, I wanna, I'll take action, right? Whatever it takes. Or name it. Pitbull gets after you. Name society. Something goes wrong in society. What happens in a crowd when there's a, a, a mischief or, or sin? If there's a shooting or stabbing, what happens? People just go melee and run for exits or get out of the way. And people run over each other. Most times people die in that way. Well, imagine the disciples. They're, they're in tremendous fear for their lives. They think something's going down. They know Jesus is dead. They can't find his body. There's trouble everywhere in town. The commotion is still settling from Passover because it just happened, right? There's a, there's a bazillion people, so nothing's settled. The Romans are on high alert because all the Jews are from all over the world are here still in town. So this place is in a, it's a hotbed of explosions, right? It's a mess right now that's going on in town, and they're, in, they're afraid. And then also they lock the door where they think they're secure on the inside, and then when they hear, uh, uh, hear this voice or see this, this, this being, what do they do? Luke says they were terrified. They said they were startled, and they were terrified. Imagine if Jesus appeared right here, right now. What would happen? I tell you, we would all fall down. We wouldn't sit in our pews. We'd hit our knees and our faces right before a holy God. But that's how they felt. They were scared. They were terrified. So they went from being fearful of the Jews to terrified of holy gods in front of them because they thought it was the Spirit, Luke says. Luke's telling uh, personally. Verse 20, Jesus confronted and he comforted his disciples. Aren't you glad that we have a God who loves us? He didn't coddle us. Okay, boo-boo, it's, it don't matter. It's okay with you. Listen, it's okay that you made a mistake. You just don't, here's some money. Don't do it. How many of y'all done that before? You've coddled, you've been, a, you've been someone who's actually given access to some of your, maybe your children or grandchildren. Well, you know they're living in sin. You know they're doing the wrong thing. And yet you're somebody who actually helps them do that sin because you keep paying for their sin choices. Y'all know people like that? Don't shake your head because it's some of us in the room, right? If you don't make a right choice, we call it now tough love. We want to withhold. Honey, I'm sorry. I've given you all my life savings. I've given you my car, my house, everything I can give you, and now I'm going to have tough love. Let me encourage you, if you have young children, start your tough love when they're young. Tell them yes and no. This is the boundary, and you won't go beyond that boundary. Go beyond that boundary. You go by yourself to that boundary. I will always, my love goes with you, but you're going to pay that consequence. There's a high cost to low living. And don't go with them on that low living journey. 
refuse to go and say, Lord, in your hands I'll turn them over to you because I can do no more. And some people would call it love. And let me tell you, my brothers and my sisters, it's not love when you give money and resources to people to go ahead and continue to destroy their own personal life. It's, okay. it's not love if you say, listen, your lifestyle, even if that's your choice, and I'm just going to support you through it. I will not support sinful behaviors. I will not tolerate sinful behaviors. Now, can they happen without you knowing about it? The answer is, of course, yes, because every human can make decisions. But if I know about it, I'm not going to tolerate it, endorse it, nor condone it. And Jesus is the same way. He confronted his disciples in their unbelief. He, he calls it out. But he also comforted them at the same time. Watch what he does. It's a beautiful thing that he did in verse 20. He asked the ultimate question we often ask. What did he ask? Let's go back over to Luke 24 and look at this. What, what does he ask? Go to Luke 24, verse 38. It, it, this is a corresponding scripture, right? When you're there, say Amen. Because it's not going to pop up on the board. You gotta, it did pop up on the board. Y'all, y'all beat me to it. Luke 24, 38. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? The answer is why. Why are they troubled? They're afraid. I'm afraid what might be taken from me. My property, my life, my stuff might be taken. My family might be taken. How come people today are refusing to preach Jesus Christ to a watching world? we got every religion in the world now gets promoted except Christianity in the United States of America. The greatest country, I think, still on the planet. Why? Why are we afraid? Pastor, I might lose my job if I say that. Especially having a federal facility here. Especially if you work in the public for the state or the county. We're afraid. We live like we don't believe. We must live for the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what it takes. 100% of the time. We live for Christ, and we preach Jesus Christ. We must be confronted that, listen, our sin won't be tolerated by God, and we must be confident knowing that he forgives us if we ask him. Isn't that good news? First John 1 John 1.9 says, If, I, if we confess our sins, he is faithful just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, I want you to see this very clearly. Listen in the word. He goes back in Luke 24. Why? Why are you troubled? Why do, you doubt, why do doubts arise in your heart? Why? Don't you ask that whenever something bad goes wrong in your life? Why? Lord, why did you let this happen? Lord, why am I going through this? Lord, I don't understand why. Why? Is it okay to ask why? It's okay to ask why if you allow him to answer. Understand that? It's okay to ask why if you allow him to answer. If you ask why with doubting that sin. If you ask why with believing, listen, Lord, I know all things work out for the good of those who are called according to your purposes. Romans 8, 28, listen, for those who love him, those who are called out. Lord, your word says this to be true, but why did this happen? Why did they die now? Why did this happen? Why did this situation in my life? Why did I lose my job? Why did I when I stood for you, Lord, why? And the Lord says, listen, he'll answer that question if you believe in faith and you go straight to here with, for the answer. If you go to a secular counselor, listen, how many people are being counseled today for mental illness throughout our society? There's a lot of cases of mental illness that are real, but there's many cases that are spiritual, sinful issues going on in a person's life. They have dug so deep into their sin that it's driving them absolutely mad. Luke tells us that Jesus asked the question, why? He allowed them to touch him. He, there Luke tells us that he asked for food and he ate with them. He gave them the ability to believe in, resur- in his resurrection and receive the Holy Spirit. 
How about it, church? Did you know that God allows you to receive the Holy Spirit? You don't just get to choose today, I'm going to do it. I'll do that next week. Uh, yeah, I'll be, I, I want a part of that. Some people come and say, they've come to new members class and say, hey, I'd, I'd like to be a part of the church. Well, okay, tell me when you give your life and heart to Jesus Christ. Well, I've always been a Christian. I grew up in a Christian home. Do the fleas in your house, if you had a dog, become Christians in a Christian home? Do your dogs become Christians in a Christian home? I, I, I know I'm being facetious, but I want you to understand, nothing in your home becomes a Christian except humans who hear the Word of God and respond and give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Animals can't be saved because they don't have the soul that we have. Only, listen, as a matter of fact, animals are still obeying the God that created them. Everything in all of creation is still obeying God except for humans, his top creation. We're the ones he died for. We're the ones he came for. We're the ones he says he'll forgive us if we would just simply ask. I want you to see this is imperative that Jesus has died, Jesus has been buried, Jesus rose again, and now he's appearing. And what's happening is the disciples, are, Luke tells us, they're overjoyed. They're so overjoyed, but yet they still hadn't believed. Can you get so excited at a tent revival and Pentecostal movement and a charismatic singing and you walk out and you're still not saved? It happens every week. People get so, wow, it was good to be in church. Boy, it was crazy in there today. That music was thumping. The preacher was screaming and spitting and running and walk out and still be lost. That's where the disciples are. Jesus has appeared. They're so excited. It's Jesus. It is him. He asks for food and then he tells them to believe because they have to believe on what? on the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Go to Romans. You've seen this. You've read it time and time again. Go with me to Romans chapter 10. It's important you mark in your Bible. I know it's probably going to pop up on the screen. Romans 10, it's imperative that you see this because you cannot be saved. That's why we can tell you that Judas was not saved, right? Judas had not received the Holy Spirit because Jesus had yet given it to the disciples. He would give it to them to work and then it would go away. Old Testament, the psalmist David would say, Lord, take not your spirit from me. Why? Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come, and then he would leave. He would come, and he would leave. And now, today, the Bible tells us he has come, if you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, to live forever. Romans chapter 10. This will be our last passage of Scripture we'll share together. A couple things in your notes. I want you to see this. Brethren, who's he talking to? Come on, y'all, talk back to me. I know it's getting late. Who's he talking to? You, Christians, brethren. My heart's desire and prayer, verse 1, chapter 10, verse 1. My heart's and prayers to God from, uh, for Israel is that they may be saved. Paul wanted the Jews to be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Who's in the way of the Jewish people at this time? Who's, who's roadblocking the Jewish people, even today? The, the person looking at them in the mirror, their traditions, their, this is what we believe. It's themselves. For Moses writes, verse 5, oh, excuse me, verse 4, For Christ is the end of the law of, for righteousness to everyone who what? Believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of the faith, of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, that bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. Verse 8 is important. Start, I circle verse 8 in my Bible. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach. 
Verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth, amen, I heard that baby, the Lord Jesus Christ, right, and believe in your heart that God has done what? Raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Keep going. For with the heart one believes into righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on Jesus will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Verse 13. What does it say? Let's read it together out loud. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can continue. I won't continue in your notes, but you continue. The disciples had to cry out to the Lord Jesus Christ and they had to believe that he was who is in front of them. They, he looks like Jesus. Maybe he smells like Jesus. I don't know. But they touched him. He's got holes where the scars are in his hands. He's got holes where the scars were in his feet. He's got the hole in his side. And he's saying he's Jesus. He looks like Jesus. He feels like Jesus. He potentially smells like Jesus. And therefore, it is safe to assume that he is Jesus. He knows their names. He knows their fears. He knows their anxieties. He knows everything about them. He even eats with them their food. And they finally come to the place that they believe. Well, who's not there? Well, we know that he's, he's somewhere. Maybe he's in secure hiding somewhere. But Thomas is not there. So Thomas has not confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. The, the disciples believe. The Bible says they believe. And Jesus says, listen, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, we told the children when they were here and they were leaving, who is the creator of all things? God, specifically, John 1 tells us, who created all things? Jesus created all things. And who breathed into the Adam the breath of life? Look at, take your Bibles to Genesis 2-7. Genesis 2-7 tells us that he formed man from the dust of the earth and then he, right? He breathed into his nostrils and he, became living. He received the breath of life. Well, listen, just like when Jesus showed them his scars, the disciples were excited to eat with him, and then they believe and they, he breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. Thomas, good old Thomas. Thomas is not there for whatever reason. Let's go back to John. We'll finish this up. The disciples in verse 20 and 20, uh, 25 and 26 told uh, Thomas, of the events. Thomas himself wanted a personal hands-on experience in order to believe him. A week later, he received the very thing he desired. At least a week later, eight days later, Jesus appeared again walking through a closed door. They're still again meeting again. Most of them are full of the Holy Spirit, but there's Thomas. I won't believe until I touch, until I see, until I have all of this requirements of myself. So was Thomas saved? Not at this point. If Thomas had died that week, would Tom, after, the, after the disciples came to him and said, Thomas, listen, we've seen Jesus. Now, there's preaching now under the inspiration of knowledge that they had from the Word of God and that they had experienced the Holy Spirit. They have seen Jesus personally. They believe that he's resurrected. He gave them the Holy Spirit. They have a witness in their mouth. And they come to Thomas, Thomas, we've believed. And Jesus is the Lord. Listen, he did die. He was buried. He did rise again. We've seen him, and he's given us the Holy Spirit. Thomas, you got to believe. And Thomas says, I won't believe. I won't believe unless I touch it. I won't believe unless I see it. Are there people in the church like that today? Yes, there is. Listen, been, for centuries, people have been coming to church unless, and they give a stipulation. I won't believe. I won't go to church. I won't do this until they fill in the blank. 
Well, let me tell you something. God's not going to do it your way. You're going to come by the way of the cross or you won't come at all. Amen? He's not going to bend down and do it your way. He's going to do it his way. He gave Thomas the benefit of the doubt because Thomas was called of him. But if Thomas had died that week, those eight days plus, if Thomas had died in that time, Thomas went to hell the same place Judas went. Did you know that? And brothers and sisters, let me tell you today, if you wait another day, maybe next week you're going to give your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe next month, maybe at Christmas next year, it'll be a great surprise for Grandma that you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. If you die between now and then, you're going to hell because you must be born again. Even when Jesus speaks, you say, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Savior of the world. When you hear the Word of God, the Word of truth, we hear this story, we go, wait a minute. He did die. He was buried. And he was raised again by God. Here he is. And then Paul comes back in Romans and says, listen, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You must confess with your mouth and you must believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you can be saved. You can't be saved any other way. I can't give it to you. I can't lay on hands today. There's many churches that pass on the Holy Spirit to the laying on hands. Brothers and sisters, when you get saved, you get 100% of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wait for a later time for some man like me to put his Sorry, old hands on you. Listen, there is nothing you can buy. You can't buy a cloth. You can't buy anointing oil. There's nothing you can do to receive the Holy Spirit except receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Everything else is false. Everything else is man-made because they want to make a buck off somebody in the congregation. I want you to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Jesus wants you to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. You must be born again is what Jesus said. You must believe. You must confess. And then you must live it out. That's what Jesus Christ has called us to. Amen? Jesus rebuked Thomas's doubt. Thomas confessed Jesus as Lord and God. Jesus committed a blessing. Listen, this is for you and me. Y'all look at this. This is incredible. This is incredible. Verse 29, he commits a blessing to you and me. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed, happy, joyful are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Listen, brothers and sisters, that's me. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I've asked him to come into my heart and life. I'm saved forevermore. I'm blessed. I'm happy. I'm joyful because Jesus reigns supreme. I still have those days. I still sin against God. But listen, there's times in my life that it gets so sweet you, got, you feel like you want to pop. Anybody ever been there? You're like, just Lord, that's so, this is rich. This is good. How does a human contain all this wisdom from God? Because it's his word. God, you're amazing. You're almighty. God, all these things we sing. That's why we have a chance to sing, did you know? It's like the overflow. You just let it out. You just gotta, I got to tell somebody. And I got to sing it. I got to pray it. I got to play it. I got to do something to get it out of my system because if I feel like I contain it and keep it, it's going to cause me injury. Amen? All right, let's continue. Jesus committed that blessing on all future believers. And I put in the last notes, what a difference a day makes. Listen, have your, has your day come? Have you given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Have you seen fit? Listen, that you've heard the call of God. He's knocked on your heart. Not the enemy of God. Listen, he's always trying to cloud your circumstance. The Lord wants to bring peace. He wants to, bring, he wants to settle issues in your life. He wants you to know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven so that your knowledge will drive out your fear anytime it comes knocking. The enemy can't take anything from you. But Jesus can give you eternal life. He can give you life here and now. You love it, living for him, because he walks with you daily. And then he gives you eternal life for here and the hereafter. Here's the note. I got to tell you the truth. If you have not received the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit. There is nothing any man, woman, boy, or girl to do to you can do to you to put the Holy Spirit of God, God Himself, 
inside of you, in your soul. The only way to get salvation, the only way to be saved, the only way you want to say this technology, this terminology, I mean, is to say, God, I know I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry for my sins. Would you forgive me and come into my heart and to my life? And the answer is 100% of the time, listen, tell him, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. You confess that out loud, you confess that quietly, the Bible says, you shall be saved. Isn't that good news? Those of us that are saved, we go, woo, amen, praise the Lord. Sorry, Adrian, I watched his video last week. He, he got me messed up. But listen, it's old me or oh my, right? And listen, when you come in, you say, Lord, thank you, Jesus, that I'm saved today. We walk out that door. It doesn't matter if it's raining, hailing, shining, the sun shining. We walk out there knowing that we know that we know that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. It's great to know. If you're here today and you don't know that Jesus, or you have severe doubts, listen, it's time to get right with Jesus Christ because the Prince of Peace wants to give you the peace that only He can give. And it's the peace, the Bible says, that passes all understanding. He's the one that knocks on your heart. He's the one that responds to you. He's the one that tells you, listen, this is correct. Receive me today. So I'm going to pray for you now. We're going to have an invitation. We invite you to come at the invitation to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. We invite you to come and pray or to make relationships right. We, we invite you to, do, listen, whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking in your ear to do, in a better way, make sure it's the Holy Spirit because he won't have you do anything evil. He will have you do anything holy. Only the devil causes confusion. Only the devil leads to evil. The Holy Spirit leads you to righteousness. Amen? It's a good life we live, y'all. Listen, no matter how much money you got, no matter how poor you are, socioeconomic status does not matter. When you have Jesus, you have everything. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much that you love us. We thank you that you know us by name. We thank you that your word says, listen, not even a small bird dies without you knowing it. Lord, and we're top of, listen, Lord, your creation. You've made us in your image. You've breathed life into us. And those of us that are saved, Lord, you've given us the Holy Spirit to walk daily, day by day. We have a responsibility, Lord, to be faithful, to preach your word, to be true to your word. Father, I pray that's the truth for us today, that we would stop, that, Lord, we would not be Sunday morning Christians only, but, Lord, we might dip into the Sunday evening just to see when Jesus shows up, we might get a Holy Spirit feeling and moving. Lord, help us to be those Sunday evening people, those Sunday evening disciples that hear the message, hear the commission, and believe it and go and tell. We tell first our family and friends, and, Lord, when we get to a world, wherever you send us, we will go. Lord, when we ask the question why, we ask why in faith know that you're in charge of all things. We love you. We need you. Lord, guide us. We can't do this by ourselves, as you know. Thank you for walking through it with us. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.